That'll be our intro. Our intro will be us figuring out how to intro this. Quentin Tarantino got married. Oh yeah, Nerd. that's right. Who gets married? That's, that's so lame. That's what I'm wondering. For people to do. People who settle. <laughs> oh, settlers, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh shit. Damn. Cutting deep. That cutting deep. Yeah. Not like people who get married. <laughs> oh shit. Welcome back, Jacob, to the podcast. Good to have you. We missed you. I love you. That's really nice of you guys to say. Thank you. Oh, you brought it up, so I'm just just playing ball. It's fair. It's fair. Okay. Um that's a solid intro. I laughed. But it is good to have you back. It is very nice to have you back. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Special guest Jacob. (laughs) Oh shit. Oh, okay. Welcome to the Backdrop Films Podcast, where we cover the things you never know, uh, sorry, you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. I am Byron. I'm Jacob. We're joined by a special guest, Jacob, this week, <laughs> who was nice enough to join us this time. Hey, I'm um, glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so excited to do this show. I've uh, listened to every episode, um, sometimes live. I think I'm one of the only live listeners. There you go. And um, and now I'm just happy to finally be on it. Um, well, we're happy to yeah. have you. You'll yeah. have some uh, solid insight, I think. Kind of. I've told a lot of people bit. about this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, more so than the average listener, I would say. It's it's nice to have a third person because we did have Jacob for a while, and he didn't really work out. <laughs> That's right. And Nakey Jake didn't really pan yeah. out either. So yeah, it's he might a, be back. Nakey Jakey, he's always around. <laughs> he's kind always, of a rotating. <laughs> it's a rotating cast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but for real though, how was your how was your trip? It was good. It was good. Um, it was fun. All inclusive. Drink, drink a bunch. Damn. Relax by the beach. Um, the Cancun town city is uh, like the only business there is tourism. Yeah. So basically, the best jobs are the ones in the resorts. Yep. So we were with like the best of the best hospitality wise, and uh, it really showed. Those those people work their asses off, and they know how to like. Put on good shows and do all that stuff. It's really it was neat. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't had a chance to go, so it'd be nice to go eventually. Yeah. I like yeah. the all inclusive side of things, where it's just yeah, you just really don't even have to leave. You're actually on like a true vacation. Because like sometimes there's a difference between like traveling and vacationing. Yeah. And yeah. Like that sounds like vacation. I've never done like a vacation. I don't think it's always like just traveling. Just traveling you know? Yeah. yeah. And traveling yes, is like work. Same. Same. This is the first time I'd done the vacation thing, and you know, I don't mind it. <laughs> it's pretty nice. It's nice. <laughs> pretty nice. Well, you guys waited a while, so I'm sure it was much deserved. Yeah. Yeah, we waited the year, saved some dollars, spent too much on the wedding, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's awesome, though, that you yeah. guys, like, I think it's just, I think that's honestly the smarter way to do it. Because then you, because, you know, it's not rushed. You get to kind of do it kind of plan it you have that year to kind of plan it out and kind of feel yeah. for like what you want to do and 
Yeah, it's like a, a year has passed since you're married, so all the romance is gone already anyways, so there's no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you need something to kind of kickstart and make things make things. Yeah, you kick it, yeah. kick it back into gear, you know, revival. Mm-hmm. Revival. Um, I'm, just, I'm totally, totally joking. <laughs> Hi, Tiffany. <laughs> she doesn't listen, it's okay. <laughs> uh, she doesn't, yeah, she, she ain't. If she does listen, she didn't get this far, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it was great. It was super fun. And we, we had these like special romantic nights. We had like a cabana night with a private waiter. We had like a... Wow. We, ha- we had all these special deals because our resort got... We got transferred to another resort. So like the resort we wanted had to... It was being remodeled. So they moved us to a fancier one, and we got like all these extra super cool bonus things. Worth um, it, dude! Hell yeah! yeah. Like so we got it. some spa days, and we got some uh, just some private dining. Uh, there's like a eight course meal we had. Wow! We did a six course meal and a five course meal. We had we had one of the f- five course meals was after two hours of a spa. And they served you right after the spa, in the spa, with your own waiter. And um, you eat in, um, oh my god, what are the robes? Bathrobes. They just give you bathrobes and you just you get served Whoa. in bathrobes. <laughs> it's like freaking crazy. Pimping. That sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah. Nothing like having an eight-course meal in robes while there's starving children in Mexico. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We were on the expensive side of Cancun, which, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is the only side of Cancun. (laughs) That sounds really cool, though. I definitely... It was fun. fun It was fun. For sure. Yeah. And to be fair, these eight-course meals, tiny plates, you know? Yeah, exactly. I couldn't get full if I tried. (laughs) It's not really a meal as much as a taster, right? I would say, like, the whole thing is a meal because it's, like, like, it's a bunch of small plates, Mm -hmm. you know? But um, it's not like appetizers where you just have, like, bread, you know, for three hours. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they give you meat. They give you the vegetables. They give you the whole thing. Right. So That sounds sick. That sounds super cool. I'm glad you yeah, guys had a, had a good time. They yeah. They were able to finally do it. Um, on a slightly different note, I guess, at the time of recording, I suppose this is still my birthday week. Even though it feels like it's long gone now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you do anything special for your birthday? No. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we had some drinks. No, it's I don't I don't mean to say it like it's bad. No, it was very yeah. lucky. It was just oh, a couple cool. of drinks. Nice, just, nice. Just, uh, you know, keeping it keeping it chill. Yeah. Um, but it but I bring that up only because that I because I chose the films this week. Um, other than that, it's not very special. Uh, so. <laughs> These films are the only special thing about your birthday this year. <laughs> and you are dis- getting old. And I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> You're disappointed in these films? I'm dis- I'm not disappointed in the films. I uh, kind of wish we'd gone a different route with it, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I see. I just, yeah. It, I'm very moody when it comes to the films I want to watch. So, And then especially is- after like the house that Jack built, it's kind of like... I don't know. He's getting it's all downhill. Getting that vibe, you know. You're still kind of in the. I just the like Von Trier, dark like. I just. Yeah. What I should really be doing is, you know, lots of eyeshadow and eyeliner and being gothic. <laughs> that's, that's really the true me. Smoke cigarettes and hang out with the goth kids. Exactly. Drink coffee. Yeah, from South Park. Yeah. 
Um, so we chose, or I chose, it was kind of, I chose one film and then we kind of agreed on the other one, but, uh, we're doing Blood Simple and Samsara this week, finally, after, I don't know, three weeks of talking about it. Uh, the first film was Blood Simple, released in 1984. Uh, a rich but jealous man hires a private investigator to kill his cheating wife and her new man. But when blood is involved, nothing is simple. Um, Blood Simple was written and directed by the Coen brothers, or if you want to get technical, Joel Coen directed, and it was written by both of them. Uh, It stars John Getz, Francis McDormand, Dan Hedaya, and M. Emmett Walsh. On the second film, Sam Sauer, released in 2011. Um, filmed over nearly five years in 25 countries on five continents and shot on 70mm film, Samsara transports us to the varied worlds of sacred grounds, disaster zones, industrial complexes, and natural wonders. Mm-hmm. Um, Samsara was written by Ron Frick and Mark mm-hmm. Magidson. It was directed and shot by Frick, who um, earlier on in life custom-designed the time-lapse cameras for his films, so all the stuff that you see that's time-lapse-based is kind of based off of that technology that he designed himself. So, pretty impressive. Um, There was obviously a large team of people behind this film, but spearheading it, you know... I mean, obviously you have a a team that goes with you like when you travel, but spearheading it were these two individuals. Um, So, it's kind of... I, I suppose the obvious question is, why these two movies? Um Yeah. And I don't have an answer to that question at all. <laughs> I wanted to see Blood Simple for a while because it was the Coen Brothers' first film. You know, it's like neo-noir. Seemed super cool. Samsara I had seen before. Uh, also, Baraka. I hadn't seen the Koyoni Katsi or the Katsi trilogy. Or he's got a different... He's got a couple. Um, I haven't seen those. But Samsara I definitely had seen before. But Jacob, you hadn't seen it, right? No, I have not. I, haven't, I didn't see either the these movies before. Oh, okay, shit, cool. I thought you had seen Blood Simple. Nope. Oh, wow, cool. cool. Yeah, so it's nice to kind of like touch on stuff that we hadn't seen instead of kind of, well, a little bit kind of rehashing. But Sam Sarr is an interesting one, though, because you can kind of watch it multiple times. Yeah, like yeah. whenever, yeah. really. Like, it's, it's a very different kind of documentary. Um, it seems like it's one of those ones where, like, you would think you could just put it on in the, in the background. Mm-hmm. during like something but then i think whoever's there will just get sucked into it mm-hmm. you know what yeah, i mean yeah yeah absolutely and you're even like because we kind of watched it rewatched it sort of like when we we're both pretty tired we're like oh we're gonna put this on and it's gonna be like kind of brutal and then you kind of are just like because the music and stuff the way things play out but then yeah. you just get enthralled with it because the shots are crazy yeah. Yeah. excuse me the shots are really crazy um probably some of the best I feel like Frick and his team throughout all the years and all the documentaries they do, the, the visual documentaries have put some of the best shots like ever on film. I'd go out on a limb and say that. Cause I can't think of any other like serious production crew who has made like the only one I, I can think of would be like planet earth. Cause there were some really amazing stuff that that's they true. Got Planet, on Planet Earth, Earth has done some good stuff, but this is very but, similar to it yeah, too. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. Planet Earth, the Planet Earth team has done some exceptionally good work. Right. Um, it's a little and bit that more... stuff is more like focused on, like, 
the life of a creature or the right. the event of an iceberg moving or something versus Ron Frick is trying to tell a more is he's talking more about humanity I think yeah you know, yeah the human yeah. experience the uh, effect impact we have you know it's a a little bit more relatable where mm-hmm. planet Earth is a little bit more academic maybe yeah it's yeah it's definitely more focused on like nature and animals there's like no really humans in it you don't see right. landscapes of ancient civilizations or cities or anything like that you see you know national mon like national parks and yeah and but right. you also see like underwater stuff which you don't see in right. you know ron frick's stuff um yeah you would say i could i'd call planet earth like nature documentary yeah where samsara is kind of like almost like a visual essay yeah in a lot of ways but if you were to strip that the way these were edited together you know what if you were to strip the the editing out and just look at the shots by shots mm-hmm. i think planet earth is up there with like the visual aspect of it like the shots that they've constructed for the show i think are just as good some some of them may be better and some of them may be a little you know less so as you know frick's cinematography yeah. i mean i think the big difference to though too is frick was able to shoot on you know 70 millimeter film Whereas Planet Earth, I don't think, was shot on 70 millimeter. <laughs> they, they shot on IMAX, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. So I guess, yeah. Part yeah. of it being, too, that I think Planet Earth, I think the shots they capture are more rare yeah. and exceptional in that regard, too. Like yeah. The planning and execution. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas, like, uh, Frick is pushing for very yeah. cinematic but not necessarily as rare. Right. Like, you know, the places he goes and the stuff he does is like you could show up and kind of... Yeah. But mm-hmm. some of it is also rare, like the those um, the pow- the painting that the um, monks make with the power. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's like, hey, this is the only time you will ever be able to see this because they get rid of it, you know? Yeah, that's so true. So it's like, this is the only way you can ever see that is by watching this film. I, th- I certainly there's like a rarity in that like being at the right place at the right time you yeah. know to shoot some stuff there's that right for sure um not every sunset but the locations the aren't <laughs> yeah. the locations aren't necessarily exotic yeah there's a lot of locations where he goes to where it's like a lot of people have filmed stuff yeah. there but the way right. they present it and getting it on 70 millimeter is different yeah. story entirely you know right and then his timeline I guess stuff like Planet Earth. Oh, yeah, you, God. One thing I never really thought about, but in in hindsight, it's like, how did they get the camera there? <laughs> you know, like like how are, did they just like fly a helicopter down like into those caves? Like that's the thing. Like, exactly. They really like how do they do that? Like well, if you, I'm curious. Yeah, if you but Ron the, Frick is just like, oh, I just took the plane. If you Shut get kind of you get that vibe. Yeah. Blu-ray for Planet Earth. It has a whole bunch of documentaries about like how they did a lot of how they filmed it and you're it's right extremely like, they impressive. did do some of that stuff where it's like they would fly in you know 300 miles or whatever through helicopter every day for three months you know mm-hmm. to get a certain animal sighting and you're like holy shit like talk yeah. about dedication you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's the one thing that can be said for planet earth is that the people involved with that the actual videographers are of the top echelon yeah. of content 
yeah. captures and creators like yeah. the greatest on the planet. It, it's different too because like they're shooting a lot of that stuff too. They shot I think I think some of it they shot on digital or you know I don't know exactly. Yeah, it's all mostly of it. digital for sure. Yeah, unless so, there's IMAX involved. But like they're they're doing stuff where it's like shooting constellations. You know what I mean? They're shooting like constellations from Earth, like time lapse stuff. But I mean, Frick does that too. But just stuff that's like they're using like you know slow motion you know um yeah. high speeds like stuff that frick really isn't using you know what i mean so it's like different types of video videography is are, are like happening with planet earth and just other like documentaries i think what's interesting about samsara is and i'm sure baraka i haven't seen baraka but um samsara is that like it's it is filmed in a very like matter of fact kind of straight way like yeah like mm-hmm. the actual camera moving and all that isn't really that impressive but what he's able to capture in that width that that expanse that i think that's what's impressive is framing mm-hmm. you the know framing like for sure framing with mountains and and just like the way he's able to to visualize and I mean that's I guess exactly what good like photographers of nature do, you know, like Ansel Adams and stuff. That they're famous not necessarily because their blacks are black and their whites are white. It's that they are able to compose the pictures that five million other people have gone to, you know, Yosemite or whatever, and and have shot a picture of Old Faithful. But there's only a few that are be- that become iconic, you know. Yep. And yeah. I think Ron Frick is like in that category where he's able to take something that everyone sees, but he's just able to magically, because, you know, I don't know how he does it, but just compose it. Like, you know? that's see what it I mean, in, yeah. in a new way. Yeah. In like, or in, like, a unique way, perspective, or the best way. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or think, one of the best ways. Like, you could certainly watch Planet Earth in the theater and be completely blown away, but I think there's something right. to be said about the cinematic quality of, like, yeah, you know, Frick's work and stuff. Like... Like you said, the composition is what's really the. I mean, the composition of some of those shots is just, just like, <laughs> mind blowing. Yeah, really, really. I, I think a big part of what you're saying, Keith, is the the personal nature of Samsara versus Planet Earth. You know, because Planet yeah. Earth feels like there's a boardroom of thirty people. Like, all right, we're gonna do a polar bear section, and yeah. they'll kind of map it out and decide. Which is one way to go about doing things. But Samsara is just like, hey, Ron Frick thought this was really cool and he connects with it visually or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And when and in the editing process, it's like, this kind of connects to this. I think this kind of feels right. And it's all based on this one guy's or a very small group of people's mm-hmm. thoughts on what to put together. So it's almost it's almost like a, a like a film that's also like a really cool travel video not to just like not to lessen it like that um because there's a lot of garbage travel videos out there but uh (laughs) but it is like this one guy's experience in the same way that a travel video is you know absolutely yeah there's there's something to be said about the way he presents things that makes you just want to be there yeah there's like a thought process behind it you know whereas like planet earth is kind of like they just they're capturing moments which obviously Frick is doing that too, but that's kind of where planet Earth ends. They're capturing moments to inform the viewer of like certain 
facts or whatever whereas yeah frick is capturing moments to allow his personal vision to kind of unfold before <clears throat> us definitely right? yeah yeah planet earth is is seems to be less biased it's just kind of like this yeah. is this is what happens yeah and then clearly frick is editing together you know shots to yeah. really i can't remember there's one cut in particular in that movie where you're like damn dude you really are beating it on the beating the horse a little uh, bit you know yeah, what i mean yeah and it's kind of kind of middle end part and i just i wish i could remember it was like a hard cut from like nature to like industrial or something right. yeah and you're just kind of like okay dude we get it Big mountains of garbage you know, you know? yeah it's yeah. it's so funny because i thought i also thought that when i was watching it but then in doing uh, the small amount of research that i did for this episode um i found out that he th- thought that he wasn't being he wasn't trying to say something he was just like i'm just presenting the world as it is i don't know um, if i can believe that I, I don't know if I believe it either. I, I think maybe in his mind, maybe when he was editing, he was like, oh, like the this goes with this because they have similar content. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe the the chicken farm is tied to nature because of animals. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe he was either neglig- negligent to like what he could be suggesting by putting those images together or he just didn't care. Um, it's so hard to believe though because if you're gonna film something, especially on seventy millimeter, which is so fucking expensive, <laughs> and bring a team out to film something, like you know what you're, you know that you're doing it for a reason. Like, yeah, right. If I'm gonna film smokestacks and smog and piles of garbage, and it's just gonna be like, okay, I'm doing this because I know that I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna edit in such a way that it's like, yeah, gonna be more of a statement than not, you know. Like I doubt, and I know you're not saying this. I I I doubt like he has it where it's like. And then I'm gonna have a pi- you know a picture of ancient Peruvian civilization, and then after that I'm gonna have a shot of mountains of garbage in Chile, and then after that like you know that he's not like planning out each shot right. and where it's going to go because I'm sure he does all the editing later, kind of like Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what how I kind of yeah. imagine doing it but just capturing all the footage and then seeing what he can do with it because i'm sure that's like years and years worth of of footage that sam it was Sarah five years was, yeah. five years yeah but so, knowing but you'd know that at a certain point like yeah he has a belief yeah and you could argue that his belief it has to do with understanding the world and maybe the impact that we have on the world yeah. and then you <clears throat> either consciously or subconsciously are editing so that it you know you're you're making certain cuts and juxtapositions of ideas and right like and those two things go together really well yeah you know what i mean (laughs) and his style really hasn't changed i mean i haven't seen baraka but i've seen two of the other ones the of the trilogy it's been so long ago since i've seen those um i saw them on vhs from the library like a long long time ago um but what he's doing with Simsara is kind of what I remember, yeah. you know, about the other ones, you know. And Brock um, is pretty hmm. similar. I mean, it's it's just cool. it's lots of different shots, but it's I mean they're basically like the same yeah. movie. I think what I remember of the other ones is that like they weren't like, I mean they were there on VHS, but they didn't weren't. I don't remember them widescreen. You know what I mean? Like I don't remember that either. Like they're just they're very like just full screen like you know they weren't like epic in that sense i mean the shots were good like sped up 
you know new york city mm -hmm. people walking but they're all like in like 80s clothing you know <laughs> i'm kind of curious about that since like because in the podcast early very very early on you know we talked about aspect ratio and stuff like that like do you guys what do you guys think about that the fact that he did shoot it in anim well at least it, i don't know if he shot an anamorphic but at least cropped it so that it was the you know cinematic yeah. 2.35 crop as opposed to doing like a 16 by 9 thing cuz obviously with with six with film you know generally you you Unless you're using a, an anamorphic lens, you're generally yeah. recording the whole frame of the film, right? So, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on, like, that? Would it have been I, different or preferable to do it maybe a little bit more on the screen? I don't know. I I just I feel like that was his choice. And for when it's a film like this, it's hard for me to say, like, that it was wrong of him to do it that way. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, his film. But versus Planet Earth, like if they were cropping it, I'd be like, "Why?" <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but because it's like this guy's film. It's like, well, it's. I think that really speaks to like the quality of film too. Like when you when you watch a film versus watching something that it ends up being more made for TV. Like, yeah, there's something yeah. about that too. Like, because it it is it does it does play into his concept of the cinematic yeah. Earth. There's right. just something about those black bars, you know, like that just becomes cinematic. Even for people that don't know what aspect ratio is, when they see the yeah. black bars, they just automatically, it just is more cinematic. Like they just, they're like, oh, they have a bigger budget, but they don't even really know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like why so many music videos are shot with VHS tapes or whatever cell phones, but they still put the black bars over it to make it look. I mean, we do that too, you know? Like yeah, it, I've done that. Yeah, you I've know? done it the opposite way too. Yeah, <laughs> where you so, put them on the sides. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like it's just inherently like a visual. Like it just kind of tells the audience like this is kind of like subconsciously you know this is a film you know. It's true. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. The uh, like that aesthetic, like and how that changed changed. I wonder if that like has to do with. So going back to Cinescope and how um, that was like the was it Cinescope? I think it was where they stretched it out to make it the wider mm -hmm. two point whatever um, yeah. to compete with television. So like television was this boxy format, you know, and then it then it went to, then if you went to the theaters, it's super wide in order to differ, differentiate. I wonder if we just think that inherently because that it's still kind of like that still. I think like so. Cinem cinema just is wider, so I wonder if just by association we think, hey, this must be a film because it's of all the previous bullshit that we've seen. You know what's weird is I, I think that maybe from this generation, like with us, because we grew up with VHS where most of the stuff that we watched were full screen, so it had that, you didn't have that widescreen mm -hmm. look to it unless you got the letterboxed widescreen yeah. version, screen right. version um, which on TV, if you grew up like watching TV, you didn't see those that much. Um, you just saw the cropped, mm -hmm. you know, and full screen can. version. So, but when you went to the theater, you would see it in the widescreen yeah, format. So you would, you just thought cinema that way. You thought film, whereas you would just kind of think TV. I'm watching Halloween on TV. 
like true, you're not like so i think for our generation we grew up with that i think the newer generations might have a, a harder time with understanding like the difference between cinema and non-cinema i mean i think the closest now would be the difference would be like their cell phones and how they look at their cell phone upright and mm-hmm. not sideways um where they can see the difference of that you know it's like they're gonna if they don't flip their phone they're gonna see the image you know straight up or like you know vertical more vertical but when they go see the film they'll see it more horizontal um even though there's so many music videos and i mean tv shows that film in that widescreen aspect ratio that they watch on their tablets and their phones so it's a little different but i think especially for our generation and generations before i think that aspect ratio I think is more important to us to get that feeling of like film and, and Frick, what he's like in his sixties now. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. So he's, you know, he's, he's from that older school, you know, definitely, you know, um, right. Film. I, I think, I think it's going the other direction now. Like, I think movies like, like Chris Nolan, you know, he's doing his, his IMAX, which is pretty much a square. Like, it's still a rectangle. You know, it's still longer on the, you know, top and bottom. But the IMAX, like, film is, like, pretty much square. It's, like, right there. And uh, you have other films that are coming out, like Jackie, you know, that um, Mm -hmm. Natalie Portman film. I feel like those are going to start feeling more like cinema with, like, the advent of Netflix all like every Netflix show has the letterbox. Every television show has a letterbox and and sh- and shrinks it. You know, um, I feel like we're gonna start going the opposite direction. Like films are gonna be like, oh, you want more space, and now it's gonna be this thing where it's like, at at home you only get this little window here, but in film you get this all this extra space that you can't get at home, <laughs> and it'll literally be the opposite of what. It's the opposite argument of what we what they used in like the seventies or uh, with Cinemascope in the fifties. Is that the Cinemascope? Yeah, yeah, 50s. yeah. In the fifties, where it was like, hey, look at all this extra space. You get to see all the sides. But now it'll be like, hey, you can see the top. <laughs> oh you God! Know. I hope so. Not. Be, <laughs> I think <laughs> I it's going that way, dude. I, oh. Honestly, I think so. Because like the films, like like Chris Nolan, he's I think he's the per- person who can push it because he has so much pull and uh but there's other like really great directors um who are also pushing for that aesthetic too you know and avengers wasn't as squished you know it was like two it was like two to one or something for avengers that's true so you know so it's like it's going the other way i think yeah i just watched a film i forget which film it was now I think it was a fairly recent film and they f- decided to shoot it on the 185 so that's like the academy ratio like mm-hmm. but they don't so, shoot that anymore really you know it's all 235 or 239 what one of those you know like yeah and so the it kind of threw me off because i was like what he like shot this <laughs> like the academy rate like it it was weird but it was a newer film and i was kind of like that's kind of a strong choice. It wasn't as strong as like the, you know, the four thirds, like, yeah, you know, yeah. um, but 
Oh, you mean 1.65? Or maybe, to it's one? One, maybe it's 1.65, yeah. Because the Academy ratio is a little more square. Yeah, it was definitely more square. So I was just like, what the hell? Huh. <laughs> I, I looked it up and it, it said, you know, the technical, and it was definitely, you know, not standard. The standard, yeah. you know, is the old school, the Academy ratio. I was like, oh, shit. That's really weird. It is interesting to think about, though, the effect that the ratio does have. Because I wonder what it, this film would be like had he shot for, like, the 16 by 9 framing mm. and done, like, the full full frame. I don't know. There's something kind of I think, impactful about cutting that off. What's weird yeah. is I think it's one or the other. I think if he made it, like, four-thirds, like, something very narrow, I think... I would just view it more as like a film, just like he how he did how it is now with the widescreen. Really? Because it's like that's a choice that he made. He wants us to see these grand settings in a narrow point of view, and that's like a artistic choice that he did. But if he shot it on full screen, it'd just be like he just had a camera. He filmed it full screen. It's what it is. I wouldn't yeah, think. It I feels choiceless. It's yeah. like uh, it's like putting. Your, the title of your film on black background with a white font you know yeah it's like that is the not a choice it's the lack of a choice and it doesn't feel like as important you know it doesn't feel as cinematic because of that mm, that's a good point that's a good point you know what i mean like yeah. I th- and i feel like films are kind of like that i think we're you know we're seeing more of those types of choices now i think whereas before it was kind of like you you had the money to either shoot 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter or 165 or 235 you know what i mean like yeah. those are kind of like the two options or the four options um or really two options but of varying differences uh, um, but uh <laughs> now it's like everything has been done so now you're kind of, you're going more extreme with everything, you know. It's like we're yeah, going to shoot true. digital, but we're going to cut out most of the image so we can have those four thirds look, you know. And then I want to add, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to make it black and white, you know. Whereas yeah. like, were there four thirds black and white movies being made? Yeah, sure, but like it's, you know, not anymore. You know, right. Like, <laughs> right. I if I I feel like now you could do like. Like, if, if Samsara was made, maybe in, like, 10 years or something, it, it would be, like, a mix of aspect ratios. And, like, every shot would be composed to, like, whatever aspect ratio that it needs to be in order to be the best image of it. Like, whatever, like, closes the frame the most and get and, and, and makes it the most simple. You know, yeah, I feel like yeah. that, that is the Samsara of tomorrow. Uh, if 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 there is such a thing coming out, yeah, that makes sense. I can see it. So in that same sort of vein, um, and talking about like impact and stuff, do you guys think that like the fact that his films have no dialogue, no narration to it, do you think that kind of increases or decreases like the impact of what you're seeing? For me, I think oh the, increases. I think it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I just, for me, I think the music is what makes it so. I mean, the visuals, yeah, are spectacular. But in our present day, we are bombarded with images every, you know, every yeah. five minutes or more. So to catch, a, to keep us engaged, 
just through visuals would be very hard. But I think for me, what was so captivating about the whole film was the music. Like, yeah, like I think if he was to take those same images and edit them differently and kept the same score, I think the the film would be just as important or just as like I would I would like the film just as much. You know what right. I mean? Nothing would have, nothing would change my thoughts on it. You know, there was nothing about anything about the movie Simsar that, like editing wise, that stuck out to me. But the music sure did. You know, right. like yeah, I, the, the cinematography is amazing. But I can look at amazing photos and videography like on my phone on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> different. I, but sure, I, I think there's exceptions to every rule. So I, I do think that our attention span. All, all together is 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 getting shorter and shorter, and I think that's just a fact of, you know, the the cell phone thing, or just generationally, you know, everyone goes faster and faster. It seems like, but uh, but I do think there's exceptions to every rule, and I think if you make something that is unique, good, has a good perspective, has a voice, I think that's like what's more important than the speed of the cut or the. Um, or the or how what or whether or not you have dialogue uh and i think samsara is that like i think it's like it's that movie that can be slower it's a series of shots maybe you've seen a bunch of them but no one presents the film in the same in just like ron frick you know it's right, like right. this is his thing that he's bringing and um yeah you can like see like a weird algorithm of images on your phone but that means like nothing compared to something that a human makes and and puts in front of you with intent uh so i i i think it is getting shorter but people who make unique stuff unique perspectives i think that it doesn't matter how short people's attention spans are because there's a way to tap into something that maybe the person has no idea that even existed before watching the film. That's a good point. I mean, I think I pretty much agree with that too. Like it's, yeah, it's interesting. Cause it's kind of like, I always go and bring Tarantino up with stuff like this. Cause it's like people's ex- like big budget, like most big budget movies now, I swear are like 90 minutes. You know, you got some of the Marvel movies now that are like two hours or even a little longer, little kids are going to sit there for two hours and just watch spectacle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they don't, but if it was like a drama that was like two and a half hours, it's going to be a little harder for people to sit through. However, if you're Tarantino, you could have like a three hour movie and no one's going to really, well, there are going to be people that are going to complain, but yeah, the the true like Tarantino diehards are probably going to like, just they want more, you know? Sure. Um, So it's, and those movies are all dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 like three hours of dialogue, man. It's, it's like it could be hard to sit through if you're not into it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's interesting, like how that comes into play. But maybe that's a difference between having three hours of dialogue, or if Samsara was three hours without any dialogue. I mean, it might be hard to sit through i mean i would enjoy the music but i would probably have to maybe take a break just because if i'm not in a theater i might just be like well i'm just gonna get three hours of pretty pictures and cool music 
you know what I mean? There's no plot there, uh, twist. There's nothing that's keeping you engaged other than what you're seeing and hearing. But your brain isn't really engaged with like. I don't know how to explain that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it'd be pretty monotonous, right? You, yeah. You need change. You need contrast yeah. to stay entertained and stuff. And I think that's. But it's an interesting difference because you are talking about like two, like films you know like yeah. it, like it's not a tv show so it's I, it isn't interesting but you know you could have nicholas winding raffin and have the you know he could have like leonardo dicaprio and ryan gosling and brad pitt and daniel d lewis all in a movie and not have a single word being spoken and it could be three hours long and i'm sure it'd be like you could be it would, riveted yeah. you know it would <laughs> win an oscar for sure that sounds like an oscar winner <laughs> right there you know what i mean but i think it's just yeah. i think that boils down to just the type of films that people make you know maybe i don't know and what people just are into you know maybe in the future like maybe i doubt it but maybe in the future like three hour movies of no dialogue of just landscapes would be the biggest escape anybody could ask for you know because maybe there won't be nature anymore it'll just literally be be fucking urban landscape wherever you go and the the best entertainment you can be in if you're not you know in your vr porn world would be just seeing solitude of you know what earth was like back in the day you know that's true so i don't know but yeah that that may be and it's it's interesting how we're talking about this film and now there's like this surge of like uh felt like you know like marvel and even like westworld and game of thrones there's where it's like this influence of uh shows and films that rely on social media articles to like mm-hmm. uh, to to engage fans you know like what like i feel like westworld requires you to like go on a forum or go on reddit or something to like figure out some of the finer details of the show and i think they intentionally hold stuff for like so people to fuck around with on social media to talk about the show um and i think game of thrones does that maybe maybe that was unintentional on game of thrones part but maybe that was why they like made the show they were like hey this is very complex i think people like it People might talk about it on social media, so let's just give it a shot and see. We have all this free advertising that is out there um, for our show. Yeah. But, and here's Samsara just, like, doing literally the opposite of that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's it's refreshing. It's refreshing to have someone who's who's saying, like, I don't care if you talk about this at all, and it's just going to be a series of images and, and, and some good music to, to get you going. No plot things for you to figure out none of that yeah i think you're onto something for with that for sure like i think game of thrones i think it was a fluke thing i mean yeah those books are complex and people who've read the books from the early 90s like they knew they knew that the story was going to be complex but i think because of the popularity of game of thrones it allowed hbo to further that with westworld and i think you're right i think they are definitely playing with that aspect of our like internet cultural generation of that's a way to keep people engaged in the tv show yeah but yet there are films that are still being made by even young people i mean frick's older but there are younger people that are still making films like 
Samsara. Um, sure. Yeah. And it's it's fi- crazy because even here, you know, in Bellingham, like one of the biggest like video film festivals here is like the outdoor film festival that they have, mm-hmm. and it's like people filming their friends skiing and stuff and they edit it and put it to music and make it really cool and that's like one of the big film festivals here um and it's not there's really no like plot to a lot of these you know it's just like cool stunt videos or 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 just stories of people climbing like you know we're going to climb this crazy mountain and they document it you know um and that's still a, a a thing that holds people's interest <laughs> you know totally, yeah. i mean there's something to be said about the visual splendor yeah just enjoying yeah. the visuals you know yeah and kind of just basking in that especially in this even though we're bombarded by visuals i think in yeah. this day and age you're still you know when you're really put in a position to really enjoy it i think that harkens back to like what we're talking about like with the theater experience yeah. discussion it was like there's something to be said about just being in a room where yeah. the, the sensory is focused yeah and you really just get to enjoy, yeah, something presented to you, you know. It is it's very, it's yeah. very calming. Like very at least calming, for me, yeah. Yeah, like totally. it's, it's like uh, I was, I was listening to this podcast about this guy who's, who's a writer, and he's like, I, when I write, I have to turn my phone off, I have to do all this other stuff, and he, he talks about how every day he tries to get out and go somewhere, whether it's on a walk or to the park, and he says he goes to the park and just sits down. And he see and he just looks around and just sits there for like thirty minutes and just does nothing. And he watches other people like on their phones and who and he's like he's like, I'm so glad I'm not on my phone right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like he's, he's just happy be just sitting there and enjoying what is in front of him. And I, I think that's like something that cinema still has. You know, it totally. has those like park qualities where it's like you can just go and 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 sit there and watch with other people what you know the film that you're gonna watch absolutely. And, and that's the focus absolutely and that's why I, it, even more so in, in like a play i i think oh yeah, yeah. It's the even, rules are way stricter in plays mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know totally totally i totally agree yeah and i think that's really the power that's what's gonna make it like i I honestly think that in the theater theater world, theaters might get to a point where they're really few and far between, but it won't go away because people will desire it again. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. just gonna be they're gonna be like I've fucking seen every stupid Netflix show, yeah. and Netflix doesn't have anything good. I yeah. need something different. I need to get out of my house, like you know. And people will push, yeah. and things will kind of surge back into to what kind of where they were. I guess when it, when film kind of first started. I think it. I think it's good that like the art of like film is still recognized in the, in this, in the fact that people enjoy seeing good art. You know what I mean? Cause oh, like yeah. you see more bad art than you see good art. Like every day on Facebook, when you see all your friends, you know, post pictures of themselves or where they're at on vacation, that is art mm-hmm. because they're creating that image. But a lot of it's really bad, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but it's good that people still recognize what's good though too you know the difference between someone who takes a bad photo and takes a good photo and it's not and maybe they're not, neither one of those people are trying but there's still someone that's always going to be inherently better at that particular art maybe right. at least people's perceptions of that you know what i mean um yeah so it's it's nice that even if on the on films like samsara i mean like 
I couldn't make Samsara. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be, one, it'd be a different movie, and plus, I'm just not as, like, there's no way I'd be as good as Ron Frick Mm. being able to capture that. I don't have that ability to compose an image like he does right you know so it's it's cool that people still recognize the art of these different types of films i don't know how to explain that but but i think people are getting so sick of all the bullshit too like they're they're they want to go and see what makes something special like yeah and people are getting more and more you know for a long time there was that perception of like well i can do it i have a phone i can take pictures right. i can do video it's yeah. like yeah you can you, you sure can you should um but there's a reason why there's people who are good at it are yeah. recognized for being good at it because there's a difference i think I mean, you know we went through that phase of like well i could just do it and then we're kind of swinging back around <laughs> to the, the pendulums kind of come back yeah. around and it's like okay well people are looking for people who can create good content yeah. like i i don't want to bring christopher nolan up again but like dunkirk's a perfect <laughs> example of that in the sense of <laughs> When you look at that film on paper, you wouldn't think it's going to be a blockbuster hit. It's not an action movie, really, because it's not like you see a lot of, like, you know, war scenes or anything. It's a historical event. No one really wins. The victory is the fact that people just get mm-hmm. moved to right. another part of, right. you know, across the channel. Yeah. The um, victory is technically a retreat. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> so one of the loss, biggest yeah. stars in the film has a pilot's mask over like his face you know like there's so much about that movie that's not like what you would think of as a blockbuster movie but what made that movie so successful was that it was cinematic Mm -hmm. that it was an artfully done cinematic piece the music was super cinematic the way it was shot with the 70 millimeter lenses and stuff you know was cinematic you know so i think and and the way it sounded like in in imax like with the airplane you could like feel the it was like you were in the plane. Yeah, people like, as you were with the sound of it. It was just like so loud but in a feeling kind of way. It felt louder than yeah. I think it actually was. And I think that's I mean I think that's what's important. I think people really like that cinematic feel um uh more than anything else. I think so too. And I think the the bullshit of of saying, "Well, I can just have that in my home." It's like, "Well, no, you Yeah. you can get you just can't. you can have something, but it's just not going to be that." Yeah. It's not going to be don't, that. I don't I don't think feel. you can ever. Like cuz people have been saying this for years that like that movies are going away, you know. Oh, yeah. the TVs are in the house, like movies are going away. But like there's no way cuz there's it's it's so hard for me. Like I work from home usually sometimes i don't but uh when i do it's so hard to get work done but when i go into seattle and go work at the agency it's so much easier to just crank shit out and go and mm-hmm. it's because i'm in a new place exactly and I, that's well like if you, the theater is a different location you don't have dishes to do you don't have uh other people bugging you you aren't allowed to be on your phone and if you are I hope other audience members tell you to put that fucking shit away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I will if I see you in the theater. I go talk to every single person who has a phone out. <laughs> um, but just the fact that it's a new location. Yeah, the sound is all there. But, like, it's it's how it feels. You totally. know? I think, like, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, the sound's better. The picture's better. But it feels different in the moment. And I think that's what's the most important thing like i could watch a video of someone in new york but going to new york is a completely different yeah. experience like you're there you're you're no it's in vr it's the same oh that's right yeah. <laughs> if you do yeah. vr so <laughs> so how cinematic did you guys think uh blood simple was 
That's an interesting question because... <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Good segue, by yeah. the way. You're, you're killing me on the segues. I feel like I was good at segueing when we first started this podcast and then just got really bad. How'd you feel, how'd you feel if you got killed by someone on a segway? Like, <laughs> to kill you while they're on one. That would be, be like, in my obituary, you have to say something way cooler. Like, you yeah. can't, this can't be it. Please I don't will come back this. from the dead and haunt you. <laughs> just to get that change. Hey, if it was Paul Blart or whatever his name is on it, then Kevin it. Kevin Spacey? whatever. Nope. No. Kevin something. What's that, something? What's Hart. that mall part? Mall cop guy. Yeah, what? Kevin Paul Blart. something. Kevin. Paul. Um, Paul Blart. Paul Blart, but his name is mall Kevin cop. something. But yeah, Kevin. Kevin whatever the fuck. Adam Sandler. Kevin Ke- good friend. It, Kevin uh, Paul. It is, I don't know. I don't. It's something like that. But to, maybe it's not. But Kevin. that is that is an interesting question because I don't. I think it's clearly a movie. Yeah. Like, you couldn't argue that it's not... Kevin James. Oh, that's what his name is. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Kevin James. You couldn't Two argue that names. it's not. But, I mean, interesting comparing it to something like Samsara, which is like... I mean, Samsara is just, like, breathtaking in its yeah. cinematic scope, where I think it's Blood kind of Simple epic, is like... Yeah. yeah. That's really hard. I mean... It's you're co- you're yeah. watching a movie. You're certainly watching yeah. a movie. You're not watching, it's, like... It's yeah. genre. Yeah. And you're yeah. not watching, like, fucking, you know, not to slight it, but, like, Daredevil or something, right? It, you're watching a movie. Yeah, it's, like, cinematic in the way it's done, but not necessarily how it's projected. Right. Like, you know, in a, in, like, because you know the Coen brothers are crafting, like, the craft of Blood Simple is just as impressive as for to me as i'm sorry just in completely different cinematic ways <laughs> yeah like you could compare it to like buster scruggs and buster scruggs would be much more i guess cinematic even though it was destined for netflix it still seems more cinematic than like yeah visually it just simple. like yeah, yeah projects more of that cinema um feeling um yeah Definitely I wonder uh, why. I wonder why that is. Why? Why do you guys? Is that because it, it is the Coen Brothers? So it's like, it's the it's these filmmakers that we associate with cinema, or or is there some? Or are they pulling from uh, other bits of cinema and putting it into their films, which is something they do regularly? But like, why yeah. is it more cinematic? Uh, is it is it because well, it's its own thing? Is it because it's not based on a pre-existing comic w- like all of Netflix shows pretty much? <laughs> uh that's interesting cuz I'm trying to frame it in a way of like it, are we talking uh Buster Scruggs or uh, Blood Simple? I guess either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, do you guys consider House of Cards to be cinematic? I I I think I think it is. Yeah. Would you consider Boardwalk Empire to be cinematic? Yeah, more so than um, House of Cards. Really? Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. Just way more. There's just way more like sets and more locations and it, it bigger cast and it's just way. It's just bigger all around. Is that kind of what makes it then? Because like I think I think I, the production. It's it one. Both are good shows, but I, Boardwalk Empire is more my shit. You know what I mean? How cinematic is Game of Thrones? oh it's it's cinematic yeah i mean it's just like it's like westworld those shows now have bridged the gap between tv and film so close that the only real difference is that game of thrones you're allowed to watch for eight to ten hours whereas what what about knocked up uh 
totally it's cinematic in a completely different way um yeah i think i i think it depends on i think it is yeah i think if, yeah. if for people that are like really into those type of movies i think it is kind of a cinematic i mean i think at at the time it was kind of a cinematic like comedy right you know what uh, i mean like drama, it, it was like a drama comedy it was like a non-Katherine Heigl, Katherine Heigl movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it it's, like it's cinematic the good just ones? in a completely different way. I guess. Yeah, I, guess, I think the I comedy think the uh, think... aspect of it, like the style of comedy, I think it was like in line with what was cinematic at the time for that type of comedy. Yeah, but it's also Maybe? cinematic in the way that you don't really get that sort of comedy f- formulated in that way in TV shows. Like it's cinematic, right. like the way it's paced, the way it's put together is inherently cinematic. Is it? it I is don't it because it's like new? Is it because it's like no other? Because like a big part of cinema is like that it doesn't repeat itself. I mean, I think, and I, I think if you were to look at cinema now and say, what's the closest thing to television as to as it, in movies today? And I think you would say Marvel because of its. Because it is like repeating the same. It's almost episodic, you know. Yeah, I think we need to. I think to like. I think you'd have to describe. You'd have to define what cinematic meant, I guess. Because well, I that's think. What I'm cin- trying to get at. I yeah, what does it mean? <laughs> because I think cinematic and epic can be. I think they're two separate things, but I think you can use them in the same way. I think. You know I think what I mean? epic it's, is scale. Well, it's one of those things where like cinematic can be epic, but epic will always be like cinematic. Right, yeah, and yeah. I, I think it has. I think it's tied to scale. I think it's like the 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 production value or scale, um, or if you know you're a teenager and that's the only thing you can use to describe the film. I think that those are the three. I think those are the three things that Epic can be yeah, used to describe films. Because like House of Cards to me is more cinematic than it is epic. You know, because it's just. It's shot like a movie. It's directed by a, a lot of the directors have done award-winning films. You know, you have like Jodie Foster, um, David Fincher, um, James. Uh, well, that's why James I brought Foley. those up. Yeah, you know, it's directed by filmmakers, but it's a TV show. So it's I think it's just by the people doing the show, it's inherently more cinematic. It's not so much epic. And same with Game of Thrones. I think the way it's shot, the way it's produced, I think the difference is with Game of Thrones and House of Cards is the Game of Thrones is not only cinematic, but it's also epic in the sense that it's just so it's so big scale wise. Does it have to do with like how artfully satisfying it is? I think is so. That, I think is that's, that what cinema is? I think that's it, a part of what makes it cinematic. And I think for me, Knocked Up, I think is more cinematic than a lot of comedies because it was done so well. And I think that's why it became so popular. You know right. what I mean? Because right. I think cinematically it, it, it was just more, it, it got to people more than like, you know, click, you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> but I, and even to get an even better example than knocked up is, um, 40 year old virgin, similar, similar vein shot on not great cameras, but I would argue is maybe even more cinematic than Knocked Up in a certain kind of way. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like a film, and it doesn't feel like a cheaply made film. Like, it, it feels like 
someone with a vision that executed it well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is is it yeah. is it the type of film that I'm really into or I would make myself? No, but I can recognize that it's like just cinematic. But if yeah. you, I can look at like even Boondock Saints, I can see that it's cinematic in the way that it's filmed. I can see the rotating camera and the way you know what I mean? Like that it's cinematic, Ugh. but it's not it's definitely not epic. But it's not done in a way trash. where it's, it's not, like it's not cinema. <laughs> I'm not saying it's cinema in the sense of like art cinema, you know, but like I can tell that it's it's not it's not like Andy Griffith show. It's not Roseanne. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not like. um, Yeah, is it is it like the reoccurring sets, like the cheaply made reoccurring sets I mean, I think that's a part of it, but I think it's is just... it the voice? Is it is it a voice thing where it's like the, it has to come from? There has to be a voice to it. I don't know. I mean, maybe for me, it's just like if it's good or not. I guess that's bad. Maybe that's a bad. <laughs> I don't what know. Is it? If it's as good or bad, well, you know, yeah. I don't know. Is Breaking Bad cinematic? Yeah, I think it is. I think so. Yeah, I, think I brought up House of Cards and Boardwalk Empire specifically because Jacob's question was, does it have to do with the people behind it and our perception of what they do? Like, yeah. Do we consider Blood Simple cinematic because we know that it's the Coens, but you know but that... That movie was cinematic when it came out when Coen Brothers had nothing. Like, people ate that shit up. True. Yeah. And But viewing it from now where it's us perceiving it as cinematic from this position like boardwalk empire was produced and then initially directed by scorsese uh house of cards was produced initially directed by fincher people who are obviously very entrenched in in movies and stuff like that so it does yeah does it you guys kind of started to nail it i think does that count make it does that have an impact on it being cinematic had you known that yeah i think it it does even though is that because they're cinema filmmakers or is that you know I think I mean? so I think for those particular shows for sure but I but Vince Gilligan who created Breaking Bad didn't come from a film background you know he came from a TV background so but his show is still cinematic so I think but kinda, maybe he think he could just have that art to him oh I you think know what so I, mean? I think he does yeah. and I think if I think Vince Gill I think it'd be very interesting to see Vince Gilligan do a film I think he'd be very good at it. You know what I mean? Sure. Because he, he's a director. He Not only did he create the show, but he directed quite a few of the episodes as yeah. well. And some of those episodes are some of the most memorable. You know, Right. Um, it's really hard to say because it makes me wonder, as a thought experiment, like to go into, let's say you were brought into a theater and you weren't told what you were going to watch. <laughs> and then you watched it. And then later... You you watched it and you were able to say, okay, this is... I think this is a movie. Yeah. Or I think this is more of a show. And then later you find out that what you actually... Like, you, let's say you say it was a movie or something. And then you watched it and then said... Or well, then like, they told you that it was actually a supercut of, like, a show. That yeah. was made into a movie. <laughs> Would you... And the, the anime... <laughs> what was the neon... Genesis Neon of Genesis, Angeline. right? Yeah, yeah. but a, but a, a well done cut, like a very well done, or, like right. Just forty minutes. You see forty minutes of a movie and forty minutes of a TV show pilot. 
or whatever. But the, but that's different though because the pilot is constructed to last the forty minutes. I'm I'm talking about like, what about a scene? What if you saw a scene? Maybe a scene, maybe that. Oh, okay. um, but if you went in blind without knowing yeah. that, hey, I'm watching a show or I'm watching a movie, would we still have those same concepts of cinematic? Or do you think that knowing that I'm watching a show... Like, if you were to have seen Game of Thrones on a theater screen before without knowing anything about it, would you have been like, holy shit, this movie's awesome? Or would you have been like, wow, this is... I still... This doesn't feel like it. This is kind of a TV show still. I think it's... I think it depends on where you go to see it. And I think the, the key thing, I think, now is the sound. So I think movies will sound better... No matter what, they're gonna sound better uh, in in theaters mm. and at t- and TV. They're built for they're built flatter, you know, for the for the home speakers. Even if they're mixed in five point one, I think they're that's they're, true. Like Chris Nolan, like classic example um, to bring him up for the fortieth time this episode uh, with the sound in Dunkirk. Like that's not gonna that sound isn't gonna happen in a TV show at all. That's true. You know I mean? That's a good point. The depth of sound and the mix of sound for cinema as opposed to TV it's true. does play a huge now, subconscious part of to yeah. it. Yeah, but like you said, nowadays, because like, you can watch Lucchino Visconti's The Leopard and it's not 5.1 surround sound, but you'll look at it and you'll know it's cinematic. Or you like know. Suspiria too. Yeah, and Suspiria's got a bad sound mix, but you still kind of know you're yeah. watching a movie. But I, <laughs> yeah. I do think that's a good point though. That like, there's that perception because with sound, the thing about sound is that it's almost it's so much more invisible than even editing is mm. because yeah, you're just experiencing it, and they the people work so hard to make it so that you don't notice the sound, but that you're just experiencing the sound. Yeah. You know? And they fill in so much with all these different noises, even noises that are not realistic to what you're even seeing <laughs> right. to kind of like fill that in. But that's a good point. Like your perception of it is going to change. But I wonder, like, I don't know. I'm sure that there's stuff, higher production shows yeah. that have a great sound mix that I wonder if you watch it in a theater without knowing what it was beforehand, if that would actually like kind of make you yeah. think like, because I was thinking the same thing with Buster Scruggs. I was like, I, right when I watched it, I was like, I feel like I needed to watch this in theaters because I don't think this was as good watching it at home. And I think yeah. even though it was an anthology and kind of built for Netflix, yeah. I think I would have liked it more had I seen it in theaters because I, I think there was some there was something missing. You're totally right. I that. think like... You know, like the arrow whizzing by James Franco's head and the gunshots and just inherently Westerns have such a good soundscape. Mm-hmm. I think it would be, mm. it would have sounded more cinematic and just better in a, in a, in a film theater, you know? like Even though that movie is pretty cinematic. It is, yeah. Like when you watch it. Definitely it definitely is. There was something that, that really struck me about knowing that it was a Netflix production yeah. destined for Netflix. Really just, I don't know, it really fucked with my like opinion of it, I think. Yeah, right. And I wonder had I just seen it in theaters and just experienced that, had it, if it would have changed. And I, I think Blood Simple might be the same way. Like watching Blood Simple at home, even though it's not as technically complex as the Coen's later stuff, even like Burn After Reading, which is not like a movie that requires a lot of insane sound effects and landscapes and everything like that, I feel like 
it just I would have had a better perception of it in the theater. Yeah. Than watching it at home. Yeah. Same. I think Blood Simple is interesting because it's like it's shot on film. It it's not like that super high glossy film look that you know that that people are used to either Mm -hmm. it's definitely you can tell it's lower budget but not necessarily in a bad way like they use it to their advantage Mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of it's kind of like halloween and other films where it's like you know that the budget isn't huge but due to everything else you're still engaged and like it just it brings everything other more cinematic films bring you know um just in like just smaller so i think for me i think that's like the biggest difference for me with like blood simple with their other films because they only had so much that they could do with it it's kind of like evil dead too you know what i mean evil dead and evil dead too it's like pretty much the same film but it's like they're both cinematic but i think the second one or in you know army of darkness is just more cinematic (laughs) i think it's like because that's a good example because like evil dead is like i mean shitty looking compared to like lord of the rings right you know what i mean like but you still there's like that quality there for some reason that makes it cinematic i think part of it too is the construction of it like with scenes tv scenes tend to be constructed in a very tight frame where i think movie scenes are designed to kind of you get this uh, almost perception of time, whether it exists as a real thing or yeah. not, but like this time of like you're investing in a scene more in a movie yeah. than in a show, I guess. There's so many things. Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed in school going through like trying to learn how to like make a movie. You're like, how the fuck do you make this cinematic? <laughs> like, what is that even? And then how do you do it? Like, how are these people pulling it off? And it's this weird combination of so many things to like bring it into being you know cinematic it's like it's like when you watch a music video like what's it why are some music videos not like cinematic but some kind of are but like how do you like even the ones that kind of are you're not like watching a movie it's like there's so many factors into like your perception of cinematic yeah it's oh go ahead oh i i'm curious how 30 frames per second versus 24 frames per second impacts this conversation oh i think it's a huge impact huge yeah huge uh huge um but but i i i mean even just like specifically in the amount of frames you're seeing but also in like the way the makeup looks Mm -hmm. in 30 versus 24 Mm -hmm. you know uh i i think there is like an aesthetically it looks different you know um because I know when uh, Ang Lee was doing his uh, infamous hundred billion frame per second film, whatever that was, um, Billy Lynn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is it Billy Lynn or was it yeah, like Billy Lynn? Yeah, Billy Lynn's, Billy Lynn's long, long halftime walk. walk. Uh, I, I, you know, they were talking about how do you do the makeup for this at forty eight, and you and you look at the. Look at the Hobbit, you know, and mm-hmm. how do you do the makeup for forty-eight frames per second? And it just do- doesn't look great, you know. The it's makeup true. doesn't look good, um, and I think that maybe that is part of the cheapness of TV. Is like they are doing the same makeup 
as 24, but it's built for 24. You know, they've like found yeah. it, found the best way to do makeup for, for film. But, you know, that slight change, maybe it looks a little cheaper. I think it's totally it. I mean, because they're not even standardized. There's not standardized technical specs between the two. Like, for refresh rate, frame rate, you know, right. all that stuff. Yeah. The aspect ratio, everything is so different for TV, and there's no standardization. And it's different between countries, too. Yeah. So, like... That does, and whether people are aware of it, I mean, most people are not aware of it. They can, they, they might notice the difference, but they won't be able to say like what the difference is. Like, that really changes like your perception. You know, trying to watch something in sixty frames versus twenty four frames is fucking yeah. nauseating sometimes because of it, like the change of it. So it's like it, it, that's one of those factors, though. I'm saying like, yeah, yeah film and that, is twenty four. That factor fr- is less now because of Netflix. Like Netflix is like, no, we'll do in twenty four. That's that's how films are made do it in 24 Mm -hmm. because why the fuck would you like you don't have to plug it into a tv and uh, abide by the rules of the how the power grid works you know what i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's why it was 30 in the first place is because uh because that's like how many hertz it was like half of the hertz that we could that we had in america versus that's why it's 25 overseas Mm -hmm. is because they have 50 hertz in there whatever i don't know that much about electricity but i know that it impacted the frames um for television but now with netflix you don't need that like it doesn't it doesn't need to be like that at all right exactly you know they can just do the the 24 they could do 12 if they wanted Mm -hmm. which (laughs) that would be cool and that's the other thing is i feel like 12 frames per second could be more cinematic than 24 (laughs) you know i think it'd be so frustrating to watch it depends on what what it is but i feel like that's so jittery that (laughs) old like animation is very cinematic to me you know when I when I see it like Jungle Book and like all those twelve uh, frame per second films are like Wait, there's an aesthetic there. The original Jungle Book animated movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like all like a lot of those old school animated films are all twelve frames a second. They no just du- duplicate the frame, right? Oh yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they would they would draw twelve frames and then duplicate. Oh, oh, I the see. Twelve. Okay. Yeah, but I thought you meant like the actual film, like what you see is what is actually like the twelve. I was like, what? No, I when you have if you're showing twelve frames per second, actually, it you would see the. That's the what bl- I thought. You would yeah, see it jitter. Like, that can't uh, be right. But then. if you show two frames in a row at twenty four frames per second, but it's actually twelve frames per second, you know, because it. Yeah. shows the same one twice then that that black the shutter closing will, right. will, yeah yeah actually I, I you're right with the additional frame there there is something super cinematic about like those old school animated films to me too and in a yeah. way there it's more cinematic to me than a lot of like what i see the animated stuff now you know yeah part of it's just because it's just more detailed and hand drawn and it just seems more cinematic whereas you know the computer is like drawn but it's just colored by a digital pen it's just right. not the same to me you know that's <laughs> so it's weird because i feel like it just depends on like if pixar is doing it then it's like yeah that looks great but it or even if disney is doing it it's like yeah it looks good um but if you want, if you go to like a film festival and go to the animated section and you see a computer graphics one, it's just like, 
oh my god, please kill me. It looks like a, a Windows 98 screensaver, like <laughs> yeah. a bad one. And it's, it's like, true. oh. It's true. So I know we didn't talk as much about Blood Simple, and I know these are very, very different movies. But I am I am curious, just to, just on a quick roundtable like yeah. level of things, what you guys thought or where things kind of landed for you. Um, I don't care who goes first, and, and I don't think it needs to be that in depth. Um, I don't know. Start we should guess Keith last. Yeah, okay. for sure. So start with Jacob. Okay. Uh, see, having someone, I think Sam Sara. Uh, it's I don't know. It's so it's so weird to compare the two, or even be like, which one would you like more? But I think, especially in your line of work and where you're at in life, filmography wise, I mean, Samsara is just one of those ones where it's just good. <laughs> it's just pure and simple good. Um, I'm gonna say Blood Simple. I think. I've I've heard you mention the Coen brothers a couple times, and I I think there's something about them that I think you gravitate to, even though I know you haven't seen maybe most of their movies. I'm not sure. Um, I I don't know how many of them you've seen or not. I think uh, you over seen... half. Okay, okay. But I think it was fun to see for you to see like their first film and because you've appreciated if you've seen over half of their films then you're a fan you know what i mean because it's one sure. of, they're one of those film film you know filmmakers or whatever that if en- enough of them carry on to each film that if you're not a fan of one you're probably not going to like the rest um so i think you like this i think it was fun for you to see them do their first film and this film is one of their kind of like it's just, it, it, it's funny but it's not like it's it's kind of a, a good combination of things that you like like if you were to do kind of a thriller this is kind of the darkest i picture you going it's not a i don't think it's a dark film but it has that it's like a little bit of like i don't know how to describe it uh yeah. but i think it just kind of fits you more than like say uh uh basic instinct you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure um well you're both right uh in your reasoning um but uh keith is right in the pick Damn it. um i think samsara <laughs> is just like uh just like nothing else um so it's it's it seems like like I don't know how I haven't seen any of other Ron Frick's movies. Like I, I've known about him, you know, and I've known about his movies uh, from you guys. Um, but uh, I'm curious to watch his other stuff. But I don't. I just don't know if he can beat Samsara. Like I think it's just like just so well done. I don't. I don't know if you could make a film like that better than Samsara. Like well, I think that's just like it. I should clarify too because I I was confused by this I, or I wasn't confused but I was incorrect by this. So Ron Frick himself has actually only directed four films, one of which doesn't even have a Wikipedia uh, oh, entry. So three films, which is Kronos, Baraka, and Samsara. Oh, Kronos, okay. He was actually the cinematographer for only Keone Katsi. Okay, and was credited as cinematographer for the rest of his stuff. So. 
in that sense, just to clarify things, like Kiatsi, cool, cool. the Katsi trilogy was a, actually a different director. Gotcha. Um, okay, in that case, um, it's definitely Blood Simple. <laughs> <laughs> it changes everything. Uh, but, changes. I cannot believe this. Um, but Baraka, but, it, Baraka is funny, too, because Baraka was 92 and Samsara was 2011. And they're really similar. Uh, uh, right. I mean, his style is like, you're, you know what you're watching yeah. type of thing. It's kind of crazy, actually. But, I mean, it's also, with with Coen Brothers, it's like, it's really hard to not like the Coen Brothers. I feel like everyone likes the Coen Brothers. I'd be surprised if someone said, I don't like their films. I could see, like, someone saying, like, hey, I didn't really like um, uh, the the one with, where, uh, oh my god, what's the fuck's the name of it? Uh, The guy who's like the, no, the guy who's the writer in the hotel and it burns at the end. Oh, Barton Fink. Barton Fink, yeah, I can understand people not liking that film, you know, because it's it's such a ch- it's a challenge to the form of cinema, you know, right? Um, but like in all aspects, it is. But uh, there are other films like it's like I feel like people who don't like Coen Brothers are just just like super hipsters. You know what I mean? Like totally. like they're beyond hipsters, uh, like <laughs> those people, and they don't need to be listened to. Um, <laughs> But Blood Simple, I think I think Blood Simple's good, uh, but they have so many other films that I think they do a better like they I could see the beginning of their craft and I like the film for that reason, but uh I feel like they got better at what they're trying to do uh later. And their their voice is like way stronger in their other films. Totally. Uh, yeah. Than in Blood Simple, so it's like I'd rather watch the other films. It's That's kinda like it. Chris Nolan's first movie. It's like I could see the beginning of what he's trying to do but he doesn't like hit that until his second movie and then later he goes on and does other weird shit like what he's doing now but um totally <laughs> but yeah but sam Sar is my my pick okay cool fair enough all right so we'll do byron uh i, I, I sam Sar for a lot of, i mean sam Sar is just like cinema like yeah yeah the music I, I yeah. know you like Blood Simple and those types of movies, but I've never heard you say anything about it. Yeah. Like, it's not the first Cohen movie to pop up in your head, I don't think. And although I think you'd like to incorporate aspects of it, I don't think it's, like, the movie, like, in the same way you said that was yeah. kind of the movie Jacob would make, which I agree, I don't think it's the movie yeah. you would make. Yeah. Um, but Samsara, kind of. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Keith on this one for different reasons, and it's really one reason. I think uh, for you... I think Blood Simple is harder to masturbate to, but I think Samsara, it would be very easy for you. <laughs> he comes back after, like, <laughs> being away for so long. I came and back, just... I came there, I came before. Jeez. Just you, like, you came, just right. like Byron. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> sorry, so much editing sorry, I have mom. to do now. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. Um, but, I, but, yeah, I think it is Samsara. I think it's, like... Um, a like I I think Blood Simple is a really good movie, but in comparison to their other work, it's it's more it's more junior. You, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. a great film. And anyone who made that film is like that's a really good film. But like compared to their other stuff, it's it's no comparison. But Samsara is like so different, and it's the top of. Of Ron Frick's uh, films, <laughs> the three films that he's made. <laughs> um, 
but I, actually i don't know if you've seen the other ones but i haven't either so i'm just totally guessing but uh, uh for all i know maybe you're a super hipster and you actually hate coen brothers and i'll eat my words that i, that I said earlier <laughs> uh you guys are right to a degree but i would say blood simple really? um yeah because oh wow i i like samsara but and the visuals are great and he's really good at making them but honestly if i'm in the mood i just listen to the soundtrack Good, okay like fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. like i would just listen that's to the, the soundtrack and 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 write or whatever but for me blood simple is the one that i would go to I, i'd revisit because i know i'm going to revisit blood simple for the rest of my life that because i can always i can learn things from blood simple okay um for what i for what i'm interested in doing i'm not interested in doing any films like uh samsara in that style sure i like that there's no dialogue in that it's cinematic and i'm interested in doing no dialogue cinematic films but just not that type you know um whereas blood simple there are long sequences within that film that there isn't any dialogue and it's all tension and i feel that there's just more things for me to learn and look at and 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 just revisit um and yeah, Blood Simple is far from my favorite Coen Brothers film, but it's one that I I just I've always found interesting. I think partly because it's a debut film and how one can master those techniques for their first yeah. film is really impressive because it it it's it's not a, a new movie really you know 1984 <laughs> like it's yeah, not like true. it's super old but i mean it was made only five years after apocalypse now <laughs> like you know that's so I mean? crazy to me like when you think about you that know, it's it's definitely not you know it's 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 but it, it still holds up on a technical level the way they edited it and crafted the characters motivations and and what they do um certainly yeah it, you know it's dated maybe the costuming is dated a little and you know some of the lighting is a little dated but it other than that i find that it still has a lot for me to there's still a lot there that i can learn off of um and i think that's why I, when I revisit films, it's always films that to me, I'm always learning. I'm always trying to get something more out of it, even though I might've sucked the life about out of it already. I, there's, I like it so much <laughs> that I keep trying, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to hate on Samsara. I really, I, I love that movie. I was super tired one night and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to try and watch it. And I ended up watching the whole fucking thing. And, <sighs> you know, like you'd think I'd fall asleep in it. But right, no, exactly. I, it totally got me just like I was completely captivated and riveted. And I definitely want to see Baraka. And a part of me kind of feels like I should have seen Baraka first. But Man. I'm going to I'm gonna be Surprisingly, it's not as dated as you'd think being okay, that cool. late, being that early on, I think, like 92 or whatever. Sweet. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, so blood simple it is. So we have one and one. So where's is it gonna? Where else is it gonna land? This this is <laughs> this this is tough for Keith. Um, cause I I I know you have that neo noir thing going on. Exactly. And I know you have that um that that kind of Baraka thing. I know you you know you have that Terrence Malick thing. 
too. So this is like the ultimate like <laughs> this is the ultimate like guessing game here. This I think this is the hardest guess I think of for you of uh, the show is right fun. now. I think this is oh, harder. Oh wow, really? The hardest. I, I think this guess. is yeah, because this is good. Here's the thing, like um, looking at um, who who they who, Harmony Corinne. Like I feel like Harmony Corinne. It's like here his films are very similar. Right, so it's like you can easily compare and contrast the two, but this is like, this is like for you, I think choosing between like your two kids, like two t- completely different parts of yourself, um, versus Corinne is like here's one part of yourself, which one is the best version? So th- this is tough. Um, I don't know. <laughs> All right, you go. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I think it's. I, like I think it's Samsara. Um, I, I think. I don't know exactly my reasoning. Besides, there's something about films like 2001: A Space Odyssey, Apocalypse Now. Um, you know these films that are like these grand cinematic like <laughs> you know uh, film scale that, spectacle that, that spectacle i mean i know that you're not really into like spectacle as like you know michael bay spectacle but but you are to a degree because you like like need for speed movies are kind of like a, 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 a oh fast and a, furious a, or fast yeah. and furious i mean are <laughs> like the fast and furious films are kind of like a, a guilty, guilty pleasure you know so i know <laughs> maybe, spe- maybe it's like ocd less spectacle like uh, uh um or non adhd spectacle yeah you know, the slow the and i think the really like a image appreciation spectacle yeah and like you appreciated you know stalker and solaris and you really like terrence malick like tree of life and you went and saw voyage of time like oh, yeah. these are these are films that are have more in line with samsara than they do blood simple um, I think Blood Simple is closer to kind of that horror gothic part of you that I think maybe you're you, on a day-to-day basis you're more interested in that but I think deep down Samsara has that thing that if you were to combine what Samsara has with horror that would be like what you want to do mm-hmm. you know what I mean uh. um, so I think Samsara takes the cake because I think just overall, I think you have an appreciation for that, 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 that thing. Cause I think what's interesting is you're not interested in doing just any horror movie. You know what I mean? Like you're interested, you're interested in film from what I can tell. You're not interested in just like, I don't know how to explain it. It's because, interesting to compare, like, like, combine the two. Like because, the, like, I think, because, like, I don't know how to explain it. And, and I think you're kind of like me in that sense. It's like, I'm not interested in just making a horror movie. I want to make it as cinematic as I can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah. you, and you're like that too. But, but there's something about, like, there's something about, like, 2001 and, and Tree of Life and those type of movies that I think just, mean more to you That's yes way to put it okay then <laughs> byron <laughs> convinced <laughs> me i'm also voting samsara <laughs> because i i think i think old keith 
or younger Keith. I think younger Keith would definitely go blood simple. You know, it's noir, it's more fun. But I think older Keith, you know, a little more wise, a little more uh, beard on his chin. Um, I what think he I goes, <laughs> yeah, a little more stub. That's stubble, by the way. Um, <laughs> a little more stub in his on his face, a little more hair. I think he goes for the samsara uh, because I, I think you understand yourself a little bit more. I think, I think that really nailed it for me. But I, I still think you like the noir, but I, I think it's... Um, that it, it, it's that deep down, you know, it's that tar, it's the Tarkovsky's last film. You know, that's more Simsara to me than it is Noir. What what was that mm. film again? Heaven, the sacrifice, the sacrifice, sacrifice yeah. Yeah, yeah, the sacrifice. So yeah, I, I'm going, I'm going Sammy Sosa, lock I, it in. I almost think that it's different. I, I I disagree with you, Jacob, on the fact that it's the the older Jacob or the older Keith that finds you know samsara and like tree of life and those the tar- the sacrifice i think that's actually the younger keith i think the younger keith was like when you're looking at 2001 i think that's what transported you out from oh interesting i from what mm, the day-to-day seriously. thing is i think that sense of wonderment almost like is what the younger keith had i think now when you're older you're now taking genre films like Halloween. That's why you find Suspiria, why you find Halloween, why you find these genre films mm. so fascinating because you can take that childhood sense of wonderment with these genre films that you can now study, like Blood Simple, and you can try and coalesce them together to try and make it like your thing. Because like when I talk to you about films and over the podcast and stuff, it feels like those two worlds, I think that younger sense of wonderment, because I know that Apocalypse Now wasn't one that you saw, like, you know, took a while recently, but it wasn't like, but it wasn't one like that you were like collegiately like, I'm going to watch Apocalypse Now, right. you know, like it was, <laughs> it was one that you watched, I think on your own free will and, and, and you, you had that like sense of wonder, you know, um, with it. And I think that's why you went and drove to Vancouver to see Voyage of Time. You know what I mean? Like, True. you know, like Good I think point. that's tapping into I think the old or the 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 old Keith and the new Keith is now trying to find find is finding interest in you know even films like um, clowns from outer space Killer or whatever, clowns and, from seeing, outer and clowns, seeing yeah. <laughs> and seeing how those fit in with what you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, okay. I like that. I like that more. Okay. Good job, Byron. You convinced <laughs> me again. I still vote Sam. Sammy Sosa locked in for two thousand. Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. <laughs> Man, do I even need to say anymore? Like, no. Yeah, I, we can just uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much like nailed it, dude. I was kind of disappointed by Blood Simple. I don't okay. Know. Yeah. I don't know what what it was about that one that I was just. It seemed like one I was going to really dig, yeah. and I liked it, but I was just seemed a little... Almost underwhelmed by it. I was it. underwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. Expectations, I expectations a expectations for it. Because it's like, Guillermo del Toro is like one of his favorite movies of all time. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. You can feel the Coen's... You can feel that it's a Coen movie, but you're right. It's not like a... It's not like a... Them yet. Yeah. It was early. Yeah, I think it what's was, part of it, it, too, out. is like... the. We didn't really get into Blood Simple, but I think Blood Simple 
for us, we have seen it copied so many times before we Probably. even watched a Coen yeah. Brothers yeah. movie. It feels ancient. That it feels un-Coen brothers E because That's we've seen point. it in non-Coen Brothers movies so yeah. many times. Whereas I think in 1984 when this came out, it was very odd. I mean, you got a crime movie set in Texas, filmed in color, but it's like shot with shadows and stuff like a noir film, but it's kind of funny. You have weird zoom up camera movements that are like Sam Raimi and they were operating Sam Raimi's set, you know, on yeah. Evil Dead and like, right. you know, so like, and they helped edit. So there's all these combinations that I think in 1984 when it came out, blew people's minds and i think guillermo del toro was one of those moviegoers that saw Probably, it and was yeah. like holy fuck like yeah i think, imagine i think that's why it's it's still studied and important now but i can see why it would be underwhelming to watch now yeah because the Coen brothers have mastered their own personal visions much better i mean why watch that when you can watch like no country right or barton yeah Fink. Or Bart, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Or, you're gonna get a neo-noir fix yeah. i mean you might as well just go that route or, yeah. or burn after reading that i feel like Dude, that's burn a, after reading is awesome yeah yeah the movie's so good but yeah i but mean sam sorry I, it is but. a lot it's a lot like suspiria now when you were describing that byron you were talking about the shots the color uh, like it was like oh suspiria did that too yeah for sure which is weird yeah yeah and, uh, you know, my expectations might have been mismanaged a little bit with that one. But definitely, like, Samsara is, like, I mean, that's just, like, <laughs> boom, dude. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, look at I feel like Samsara is, like, like, like the John McLean song, you know, you know or uh, Jack and Diane. What is that? <laughs> little Diddy about Jack and Jack Diane. Jack and Diane. I feel like that's Samsara. <laughs> and, like, Blood Simple's, like, like the third most popular song on the arctic monkeys third album you know what i mean really think so yeah mm, maybe. i think i think i think simple so. is more like blinded by the light <laughs> <laughs> you're like dang it it's an all it's all right song like i can i can nod my head to it but it's a little repetitive I've seen it before. Right. Yeah, yeah I've right. heard it before. <laughs> American Pie. That's what it's called. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, that's what Samsara is. American Pie. Not the film American Pie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But the song American Pie. But the song. American Pie, the film, is more like the Arctic Monkeys' fourth album, second most popular song. <laughs> I know nothing God about Arctic Monkeys. So. Yeah, neither. It's out of my, yeah, out of my wheelhouse. Me neither. But, um... <laughs> One thing I didn't get about Blood Simple either was like any of the character motivation for anything. Oh yeah, like, almost at all. Like I just didn't. I don't know. I, I especially that Same. part where he's like, he fucking finds him shot, finds the owner shot, and then he's like, what does he fucking do? He like, oh, I gotta wipe it with the blood. For some reason, he's like, I gotta wipe it with the blood, and then he takes the body in the car with him, and then he's just driving for. Like, I, I, I don't understand any part of what what the fuck why he no, is doing any of that. But that's what makes it so funny because he's fucking dumb. Like that's yeah. what's so funny. I think that's the but that's the Coen Brothers not understanding. They they understood that there was humor there, but they didn't execute it as well as they do later. I think that's a good. You know, know what I mean? Because yeah. I think that's why Burn After Reading is better because yeah, it's like I, it. You're, the audience is in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. That makes that that seems more like it. Whereas here, it's like the Coen Brothers. They knew that. This guy is fucking dumb for just taking this body, 
trying you know what i mean like right. and he's just like out like just driving and they probably thought it was fucking hilarious but they weren't able to get the viewer in on it as much as they probably wanted to at the same time it when i saw that i saw the film after seeing a couple coen brothers movies so i kind of knew that's how how i kind of took it i was like seen a couple other stuff well i know but like like... but you still haven't seen no country for old men right no i started to watch a scene in it though (laughs) but like because it's always on script to screen so i always end up watching like a scene in that movie and then uh, but like i don't know film what movie? No Country, no Country for Old Men. Men. Oh, you haven't seen that? <laughs> that's, that's weird. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing it this weekend. This weekend, I kind of want to power through. Like, I kind of want to do like a John Carpenter double feature and then like oh, No cool. Country. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's funny. Feeling it. But yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe I just missed missed that joke. No, I don't think um, it's missing a joke. I think it's it's them. Just you know? Impro- yeah. I think they, they yeah. failed to tell the joke, I think. Yeah. That that's and that yeah. So it's just little things like that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just didn't click like I was expecting it to. Um, where like when I first watched Samsara, it was like, I mean, that's just that's that's just cinematic <laughs> overload. Yeah. Like you know, fucking like that's. I mean, to me, because like you know, I, I've been an advocate for for visual over yeah. anything else when it comes to mm-hmm. a, vis- a visual medium. So like to to let the visuals and the sound speak for itself without having someone tell you what's up. You know, you have yeah. someone tell you in editing, but you don't have someone saying like, Oh, in Nepal, when they did this, and there's yeah. you know, conflict. It's like, you kind of just start to like dig out things and it's just enjoyment of like seeing earth, which is fucking a cool, awesome planet. Like, and then have someone who's a master at shooting things yeah. just show like, you know, show what it could look like (laughs) but i think you're right too and there's that like that aspect of like it'd be cool to kind of take lessons learned from that and apply it to something more along the lines of what i'd like to do so yeah um yeah samsara is a samsara and baraka i mean i kind of just think of them as like the same movie pretty much (laughs) so like those two i mean it's it's really hard to beat i bet you chronos is the same way too it's just they're different too it's just such a different type of movie you can't really compare Hmm. it to much else you know planet earth but i mean even then that's a bad not yeah. a good comparison really yeah, yeah. So. but that's the closest pretty much yeah, yeah pretty much so yeah uh all right so but definitely check them both out i mean no reason to not watch both movies a lot of people probably like blood simple more than i did but anyway uh yeah i think that's pretty good pretty good place to stop um so we can move right along into the pitch fest so I guess if you have any questions or opinions, go ahead and uh, send us off an email at btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a shout out to a new listener, uh, Mr. Joe Valenti, who found us through Letterboxd, which is really cool. Um, he, he left a comment on my most recent review of the house that Jack built and was nice and it's like you know i love found your guys's podcast this <laughs> and can't wait to check it out so shout out to you sir appreciate it thank you for the kind words yeah i appreciate um, the follow too yeah, yeah thank you <laughs> i love sure. hearing that stuff that's uh, it just makes it makes it feel like uh you know it makes it feel like we're doing a good job you know i like yeah. getting a pat on the on the head like a dog every once in a while you know i i mean <laughs> i agree I agree. You know, maybe throw us you're, a bone, you're more too. like a cat. <laughs> maybe throw us a bone, yeah. <laughs> or instead of a bone, like, 
couple hundred dollars. Just, couple, know. yeah, just go <laughs> to a couple few. Keith, Keith and I are dogs that get the bone. Jacob's the cat that gets the sardine. <laughs> I'm the I'm the cat that gets the bone. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Oh man! But uh, yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. And for other people who who you know, if you ever send us an email, Jesus Christ, I can't get these two children in a room together anymore. <laughs> oh fuck! Um, no, but for serious, if you ever send us an email, if you have any questions or stuff like that, we'll definitely you know make room to read it out on the show and and address things and, and say things. So for sure. Uh, shoot us, shoot us an email. Uh, also, if you do like the show, please, 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 takes a little bit of time and rate and review it. Um, even if you don't review, just throw, just click a star rating. Just it helps. It helps a lot, way more than you think it does. I know it seems like an action that's pretty uh, innocuous, but in the long term, it does help. Um, Especially for little little baby podcasts, exactly like this one, exactly baby. Yeah. It's easy to review the big ones yeah. who already have lots of reviews, but it's the it's the the small guys that it actually impacts more than you think. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate the the listeners. I've been I've been seeing seeing us grow the past couple of weeks with a lot of listens. So thank you to to new newer listeners and people who are have been listeners since you know early on yeah. and stuff like that. So we definitely and feel free to throw recommendations out too. You know, yeah, yeah. If there's any recommendations in regards to anything we talk about in happy hour, or if it could fit into an episode, um, yeah, always open to hearing it. Always. Uh, so, speaking of Letterboxd, you can follow us there. Jacob Fultz, Byron Gouette, G O U E T T E, and Hyperion Creator for me. Uh, so, next episode, whether or not that's next week or not, starts to get weird here with um, Christmas coming up and kind of the other plans we want to do. Uh, in terms of other other stuff we want to talk about, uh, next episode will be a color series one again. This Ooh. time focusing on blue. Uh, the, if you didn't listen to the first one, it was red. Uh, so this time we're doing blue, and the films will be The Cook, A Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, and Alien. So I'm pretty stoked about that because I. This is going to sound really bad. Started to watch Alien and fell asleep at the beginning <laughs> when I first tried to watch it. So I'm interested to sit down and actually watch this one. That's uh, funny. It's one of those movies that I should have seen a long time ago, just hadn't seen yet. So I'm stoked to watch this. And The, the Cook, A Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, I think it's going to be a lot different than any movie we've really talked about. So I'm pretty stoked um, to, to talk about that one. And they are both have their different levels of intensity, too. So, you know. Just be aware, I guess. And then definitely try to watch it, focusing on the use of blue um, in those films. So we will be tackling those. Um, I'm excited for that. This is going to be super fun. I love the first one. Love looking at reds. Mm-hmm. Be nice to look at another equally great color. Blue. <laughs> cool. Absolutely. I, yeah. I'm really curious to see a purple. Like, purple is my favorite color. So to find a film... Yeah, purple films that yeah. really touch with that color will be interesting because I think it's yeah. one of those. It's ones uncommon. It is. It yeah. is for sure. Like so, blue is like the most common color. <laughs> I think so. In film. Yeah, yeah. It's very. It's it's very uh, dense color. You know. Yeah. That can be used in a lot of ways. So, but uh, yeah. So stay tuned after the break for this week's pitch fest, which will be plots that uh, have to have me in them in some form or another. <laughs> so um, excited. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> stick around uh, for that. 
All right, welcome back to the Pitch Fest, where we each have 30 seconds to pitch a plot to a movie based on this week's topic, and we vote on who's his best. Uh, like I said before, this week is kind of birthday week, at least at the time of the recording. Uh, so the plots, what we're doing for each person's birthday, so it won't be just me, um, is that the plots must feature me as an integral character. So in such, I don't have to be a main character necessarily, but in such a way that like, had I been removed from any plot, you couldn't have the plot essentially. So, um, who went first last? I think I think Jake. I went, went first. first. Last you time. went first last time, mm-hmm. right? Do we have thirty seconds or forty-five seconds? Thirty. Okay, yeah. yeah, I didn't think we changed it cool, at all. Cool, cool, so. um, All right, so Byron will kick us off. Let me get. Uh, oh God, I hope I have enough time. Get my timer <laughs> out for this one. Let's see here. Hold What's your title? Second. Yes, thank you. What's the title, title is A Rise from Grace. <laughs> from race? Grace. 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 Oh. A Rise from Grace. Oh, no. I'm from fucking grace. stoked to hear this. God. <laughs> Especially my, like, my own. <laughs> anyway. God. He's All right. the best. Are you ready? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> get it all. Get all the laptop. Get everything going. Yeah. So no, can... I mean, okay. All right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And go. Keith is a man, a young man, a man of his mid-twenties, a man dedicated to his career, a man striving for what he wants. He loves film, and he happens to be a major filmmaker. He has won more awards at the prestigious Cannes Film Festival than any other director in its history. His films appall, horrify, and are beloved throughout the world. He happens to also be a man that loves to put his actors in extreme and uncomfortable situations. So one day, he meets an actor who pushes back. I don't know. I was, I was expecting you to go go a little bit further with that one. I, I wanted I to, but <laughs> funny just to hear the little description. That's the thing is, I had to like build it up. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, oh fuck, I might not have full time to actually go where you know it needs to go. <laughs> That's like Keith's dream biography. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like that was kind of my goal was to kind of like you I think know. you just told the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll let you time me. Um, so my title is Keith is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Okay, are you ready? I am. And go. So for his birthday, Keith decides to take a solo trip to Hawaii. On the last day of the trip, he decides to surf. Having done it before, he feels confident in trying it again solo. A few successful waves later, he moves to a more secluded part of the beach with different waves, but is pushed out to sea after getting caught in the riptide. Alone, thirsty, and surrounded by black, desolate water, Keith must fight for his life while battling weather, hallucinations, and his own psyche. <laughs> Damn. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, this is the hardest part about this is not laughing. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh god. This right. is so ridiculous. Okay, mine is called Keith Two, and it's a sequel to Keith, the uh, Jesse McCartney uh, movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Oh no! <laughs> the, oh. the protagonist, the protagonist's name is Natalie. By the way. Just so you All know, right. in, in that film. That, that's, that's important true. for you to know. It's true. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you guys ready? <laughs> I'm thrilled to hear this. All right. And go. 
Three years after Keith's death, protagonist Natalie is living his dream as a grease monkey and submitting his yellow truck to car shows. Natalie is at first annoyed by the car show's contract videographer, Keith, but she ultimately falls for him. (laughs) Natalie attempts to woo Keith by pretending to like the same films as he does, but Natalie finds out his secret. He also has cancer. At the end of the film, with another Keith presumably dead, Natalie decides to live the new Keith's dream and travels to Vancouver to start a feature film project. Fuck you, Natalie. Keep, keep too. I hope it's like if that oh. movie ever were to get made, I hope you cast Jesse McCartney again. <laughs> As I mean, it's, like, it's like, you know, 15 years later or whatever. Oh, God. God. Uh, man. Classic. 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 Uh, Classic films. Classic films. Keith. These are films. These aren't TV <laughs> shows. These are films. Keith. These are cinematic, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, right. you go watch your TV. We'll and we'll we'll talk films. These are, these are, oh man. We took ourselves very seriously. <laughs> Alright, Byron. You know, I have to say though, there is kind of a common thread between mine and Jacob's about Keith as a filmmaker, which I thought yeah. was interesting. <laughs> which I mean, is funny because you're just a surfer and you're... <laughs> <laughs> is that what you secretly identify as the surfer? I'll tell you why after we vote. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, I think... What I liked about Keats was it tapped into like the fear that you actually have, right? With the, the, the open, oh, fucking open ocean, dude. Open Ooh. ocean, you know. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you. So I appreciated that you put that in there, but it was also funny because you titled it Keith the Idiot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny, you know. Ironically, kind of Coen Brothers way in the sense of like you're you'd follow this character that knows his fear and does it anyway which is like kind of like the idiot you know which is great which i really like and jacobs is great too because it's actually oh i guess i'll have to pick jacobs because it's 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 like not that yours isn't smart but jacobs was like smart in the sense of how he used (laughs) and how he used the second one or the original keith then he made it kind of his own stand this could be standalone but it like but it takes like the cancer thing (laughs) from the first one but but then also the fact that it's keith too because that's the title of the film it's the second keith but also the main character it could be like T-O-O. Is the second like, dumb and dumb <laughs> <laughs> like, there's multiple things going on here, which no, is actually... No, it's too, like, Spanish T- T-U with the, <laughs> with the apostrophe or whatever. Oh, man. So I think I might have to go with Keith because it's just, like, so ridiculous. Wait, and I, it you're going with Jacobs? It was, or one? Jacobs. It was because oh, okay. it, wasn't, it, wasn't it wasn't going where I thought it was going. Like, like... I just wasn't expecting that, so that yeah, I'll go with Jacobs. Oh man, I kind of want Jacob to vote <laughs> next because my vote could cat could cause a, like a win for it if I do go yours. So I'm kind of curious to see. But uh, I can go next. You, you want to see if I pick Byron so you can vote for Byron? So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't win on. Happy Keith birthday! <laughs> <laughs> no, I can go. 
Um, pretty much. I would go with Jacobs too. It's the same. It's fucking pretty hilarious. Um, I kind of, I kind of do want to see that movie actually, because to have the plot be that he gets cancer. Again. Yeah, just everyone named everyone named Keith gets cancer. There's just like some moment in the film where you can just where she knows she's just gonna be like, what the fuck? Man? I want, yeah, that's the thing is I want to see her reaction to the news. Oh man, yeah, that was, that was pretty. I'm glad pretty you guys solid like it. Choice. Also because that movie was fucking terrible, so obviously to to bring it back around is is pretty solid. So it's deserving of a it. reboot for sure. Oh, the man, Keith cinematic awesome. universe, I think. Oh man, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'll be down for that. The KCU. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh god. Future goals right there. Future goals. Uh all right, Jacob. Um although you, you do win this week. <laughs> I still get a vote. What the fuck? You won Suspiria week and you won Keith Keith what week? is happening? Oh, that right is now? weird. What hey, is happening? I know you. I just I know you. So. Um I'm gonna go. I, I like both of them. I think they're both super funny. But I'm gonna go with Keith's just because I think it'd be funny seeing you uh, <laughs> out in the water. Like, actually, just me. <laughs> just struggling to and like going through a crisis. Like, how long, that just how long would this movie be? I feel like I'd have to make it funny. Like, it'd have to be some yeah. weird playoff of like the shallows and like open water, but yeah. kind of hilarious. <laughs> Because the guy's a fucking idiot for doing it. <laughs> you just go surfing. You're so bad at surfing. Out of out of an hour and half movie, an hour and ten minutes of it is just him like going off and on the surfboard, getting knocked over. I like to think that the waves. the waves were like too big at the other spot, so you go to like the shallower, like the more mellow waves, and then you get injured and. Turns out I've only been in five feet of water the whole movie. <laughs> the, the variety just pans out. <laughs> There's like a little kid just like waiting in it. <laughs> yeah, right before that, there's like a child that like swims up past me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the little rubber ducky uh, floaties on, you know? Oh, man. Oh, man. That's a little... <laughs> yeah. That was the point that I wanted it to be... To be, uh out there the plot yeah. to make to be different but the reason I wrote it is because I was listening to a podcast and the guy was telling a story about how he went surfing and then ended up getting caught out too far out and got stuck and had to stay in the water for like two days straight oh. um, which the story itself was not funny it was really scary but I kept thinking to myself the whole time I was like you're kind of an idiot like I just <laughs> thought the guy was an idiot so I was like well I'll just make myself him and make me an yeah, idiot. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Hence <laughs> the title too. Um, but yeah, and I actually I have gone surfing once. I was I was pretty young. I went to Hawaii and went surfing, and it's actually pretty cool. But you're also like around a bunch of people and not in the middle of the ocean, yeah. like you know, terrified. But yeah, cool. So Jacob wins. He wins uh, this one, and you're slowly closing the gap between Byron and I and uh, and you. I like to think I'm doing it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard you do most things quickly. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, God. That was such a bad one. 
Uh, no one listens this far into the podcast, so no one heard that. (laughs) I'm in the clear. Uh, All right. Um, So Jacob takes the win this week. Um, Next week, or at least, well, when it comes to the the blue films, obviously our films will have to feature blue. Uh, If we do a happy hour in between, I have no idea. No idea what we're going to do. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we could do... uh, Because what did we do? We did allegories for the house that Jack built, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we watch a movie that it just really just is like, man, we got to do this. But uh, yeah, uh, that's it for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Not one single happy birthday from you guys. Happy birthday, episode. Keith. Fuck you guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I'm still recording, so you can put it in if you want. I hope so. Oh, right. I was planning to. Yeah, this is the outro right here. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs>